Welcome to Walking by Faith, where we believe that God's relevance extends to every aspect of our lives. Our goal is to empower you with the tools you need to grow in your faith journey, and that's why you can access Pastor's Notes in a snap. Download the Walking by Faith app today to follow along. We have got a great friend with us today. Our guest today is Rick Renner. Uh, Rick and I have literally been friends, I think, 38 years. Um, we've been in Russia together multiple times, and now, in fact, now he and his family have been living in Russia for over 30 years. Rick is a phenomenal Bible teacher, as you're going to see. He's going to bring us an incredible message about the end times. Tonight we're going to be in Matthew chapter 24. Then we're going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Then 2 Timothy, if we have time to get to all this, chapter 3 and verse 1. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So you be ready to go to all those places with me. But when we come to Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is sitting with his disciples on the Mount of Olivet, overlooking the prophetic scene in front of them, which is the panoramic view of the Temple Mount. And as he is sitting there with his disciples privately, the disciples begin to ask him questions. And we read that in Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 3. As he sat upon the Mount of Olivet's, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be? If you have an ink pen or a pencil, I want you to circle the word when in your Bible. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? Either underline or circle the word what? And then if you would underline or circle the word sign, what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Circle or underline the word end and the word world. So in this verse, you have these key words which are very important, the word when, the word what, the word sign, the word end, and the word world. The disciples said, tell us when. The word when in Greek is the word pote. It is a very specific word which means tell us precisely, exactly. No fuzzy answers. We want to know precisely when will these things be. And we find that when you get alone with Jesus, you can ask him real direct questions. These were questions which they could not ask in a multitude of people. And likewise, my friend, when you get alone with the Lord, you can have a different conversation than you can have any other time. And so they said, Lord, now that it's just between us, pote, exactly when will these things be? And what... The word what in Greek is the little word T. It's spelled T-I. It describes the most minute, minuscule detail, which means they were literally saying, Lord, tell us exactly down to the most precise details what will be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. The word sign, the Greek word simeon, was the very word used to describe a road marker to let you know where you were when you were traveling on a road. Denise and I live outside the wonderful city of Moscow. And if we didn't have signs on the road, we wouldn't know where we were when we were traveling. But because we have signs, we're able to identify where we are, we can see how far we've traveled, and we can identify how much further we have to go. And when the disciples said, Lord, what will be the sign, using this Greek word simeon, they were literally asking, Lord, what will be the prophetic signs we'll see on the prophetic road to the end of the age to let us know how far we've gone and how much further we have to go before we come to the end of the world. 
and the word end is the Greek word suntileus. It doesn't describe the ultimate end like finality, but the wrap-up of the world. And the word world here is not the word gaze, which would describe the planet. It's not the word cosmos, which would describe the universe, but it's the word ionos, which literally means they were saying, Lord, how will we know? What will be the signs we will see on the prophetic road to let us know we've come to the very conclusion or the wrap-up of this current age? And they wanted to know precisely and exact answers to this question. And they asked for one sign, but Jesus gave them many. And he begins in verse four by saying, and Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. This word deceive is very important in Greek. It is the word planeo. If you wanna write this down in English, it's spelled like this. And the word planeo is repeated over and over and over in the New Testament in connection with the coming of the Lord. And this word deceive is a particular word which describes a nation or a people who once walked on a path that was well-established. In fact, it was a path that they had walked upon so regularly that you could blindfold them and they could still walk on that path because it was a well-worn path that they had walked upon. But when you come to this word planeo, it describes a person, a people, or a nation who somehow has veered from that path that it always walked upon, and now it has gone astray, and now they're teetering right on the edge of a dangerously steep cliff, treacherously teetering there. And in fact, this word planeo was the very word used to describe an animal that got so lost that it could not find its way back home. And this word was used specifically in regard to moral wandering. And the writers who lived between the Old and the New Testament periods used this word to describe an infusion of demon spirits that would be released in the very end of the age to cause people to morally wander and to go astray. They would lose their bearings and they prophesied that society as a whole would become so lost that it would not be able to find its way back. And when Jesus began to give his list of signs that will be indicative that we've come to the end of the age, he gave many, but he listed this first. And he listed it first as the primary sign that you've sailed to the end of the age and no much, not much more time remains for the rest of the journey. You will know it. He says, behold, beware because society as a whole will morally begin to teeter and to go off track. And my friends, I just have to ask you, are we seeing this in the time that we're living in today? You know, when I was a boy in our neighborhood, we loved to play tag. How many of you remember playing tag when you were growing up? I just loved to play tag until I got tagged. And I didn't like to be tagged. I wanted to tag everybody else. But the truth is, in the plan of God, somebody has to be tagged to be the last generation. There have been many people who played the game at their time in history, but now God is tagging us. And God is saying, tag, you're it. You're the ones I've called, and I have anointed you. And you are well able to do this in the end of the age. And Jesus prophesied that we would know we had come to the very end when we see society as, whole, as a whole morally beginning to modify itself 
to such a degree that it goes off track. And you're going to see in just a moment that society as a whole will feel that it has hit some kind of an impasse. But we'll get there in just a moment. Then I want you to go to 1 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 1. And when you come to 1 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 1, the Apostle Paul also writes about the end of the age. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 1, he speaks and says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly. The Greek says the Spirit speaks categorically, emphatically, unmistakably. That in the latter times... The word latter in Greek is the word husteros. It describes the very, very end of the age when not much is left over. At the very end of time, some shall depart from the faith. The word depart is the Greek word aphistomy. It's a compound of two words. The word apo, which means away from, and it carries the idea of space or distance. The second word is the word histomy, which means to step or to stand. But when you compound these two words together, the words shall depart, the Greek word aphistomy describes one who steps away from what he once believed. And in fact, he has stepped so far away from it that now he's spacing himself from it. He's putting distance between himself and his former position. And this verse does not say they will reject the faith, but it says they will Depart, And it describes a very slow, methodical departure, which may occur so very slowly that those that are in transition may not even be realizing that they are in departure. And the scripture particularly says they shall depart from the faith. And in Greek, it has a definite article, the faith, which means this is not faith for miracles or signs and wonders or finances, but this is the faith. It is a departure from scripture itself. And I think that you know that we're living in a day when denominations whose tenets and creeds of faith are rock solid. If you look just at what is written that they believe, it's right. But if you look at their faith practice, they have departed from what was written in their creeds. Denominations that were born in the power of the Holy Spirit are unthinkably beginning to adopt gender transitions and all of these things which are so diametrically opposed to the Word of God, even though the tenets of their faith states one thing, in practice, they have departed. They've departed from the faith, and the reason is made clear why in this verse. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And guess what? The word seducing is this same word. Here it shows up again, the word planeo, which means at the very end of the age, even demon spirits will go to work inside the church to try to lure people in another direction, seducing spirits. And this word again particularly has to do with a moral wandering, which means it will be an attack in the spirit realm to cause people to doubt everything they have ever believed on a moral level. And the Bible furthermore says it will be the activity of seducing spirits. The word spirits, the Greek word daimonion, which was believed in the time of the New Testament to describe unseen spirits that cause lunacy and mad kind of thinking. Erratic thinking. Lunacy. And doctrines of demons. The word doctrines, the Greek word didaskalia, from the word didasko, which means to teach, the word kalia from kalos, which describes something good, you put it together, it describes well-packaged information, which means at the end of the age, 
when this invasion of seducing spirits enters the earth to lure people off track morally, the devil's not going to show up with a pitchfork in his hand and horns on his head, but he's going to come with well-packaged information in order to lure people away from what they have always believed. The information will come through the courts. It will come through the educational system. It will come through the entertainment system as the devil begins to provide a new message that is so seducing, it causes people to loosen their grip on what they have always believed and to turn. In fact, here it says giving heed, the Greek word proseko, it describes one who turns to listen to something else. They turn to consider another option. And I think you know today, one of the most dangerous places you can send your kids or your grandkids is to the university, where they are being told to consider new options that are in violation of their faith. My friends, we need to pray for our young people before we send them to the universities because people are losing their faith in the universities because university professors are teaching things that are contrary to the Word of God, and young people are being seduced. They're being coaxed away from what they were taught, and they're embracing well-packaged information, but behind it is seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Then... We go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And when you come to 2 Timothy chapter 3, this text is so very important in verse 1, where Paul says, This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And when you read this in the Greek text, the word know is the Greek word gnoske. It's the direct form of the word gnosko, which means I know, but as it is used here, it means this is something you must know. This is something you must know acknowledge. You must comprehend this. And it's like the Holy Spirit is reaching out through the scriptures to grab hold of this last day's generation to shake us and say, please hear me. You must know this. And the role of the Holy Spirit is never to scare us. God never gives anyone a spirit of fear, but he is in the business of preparing us. And in this text, he's particularly speaking to the generation that's going to live in the wrap-up of the age. And he says, hear this, know this, you emphatically must understand this. And in Greek, it uses a little conjunction, day, which is like an exclamation marker, which means you would translate the first part of the verse, you must categorically, emphatically know this and understand that. The word that in Greek is the word hote, is what I call a pointer word. Now the Holy Spirit gets very specific, specifically that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now let me give you this phrase, last days, in Greek. In Greek, it's spelled like this. It's the Greek word eschatais. It's plural. Himirais. Now, I'm showing this to you because you'll understand why in just a moment. The word eschatas, if you're going to write it in English, is spelled like this. Do you see another word? What word do we get from that? eschatology. What is eschatology? Eschatology is the study of end times, but the word eschatos, which is used in this verse, very specifically describes what is final or what is ultimate. It describes the very, very end of a thing, for example. The word eschatos would describe the last day of a week, but only the last day. The word eschatos would describe the last month of the year but only the last month of the year. 
This word always describes what is furthest away. It was used in a geographical sense to describe the farthest place you could visit on the earth. And in a navigational sense, this word was widely used to describe the very last port that a ship could visit. Though the ship had visited many ports along the way, if they came to the port which was called Eschatos, it means it is the last port. There's not another stopping off place after this. You've sailed to the end and now there's almost no time left for the journey. And that is the word which the Holy Spirit uses here. So when you come to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, when the Holy Spirit says, you emphatically must understand this. You categorically must comprehend this, specifically that when time has sailed to the very last port and almost no more time remains for the rest of the journey, perilous times shall come. But the Greek text states it a little different. It says, there shall come perilous times. And those words, shall come, are really a very bad translation. And forgive me for giving you another Greek word, but I want you to understand what the Holy Spirit is saying in this verse. In Greek, it is a compound of two words. It is the word en plus the word histomy. The word en means to be in something the word histomy means to stand. And when you compound these two words together, it means to stand in the midst of something. And in fact, you're so stuck in the midst of it that you feel you're surrounded by it on every side. You're literally in the middle of it. You're encumbered by it. It doesn't matter if you look here or here or here or here or here. Everywhere you look, you feel that you're completely surrounded by what is standing around you. And the Holy Spirit says, you will know you've been tagged for the end of the age. And you will know when you have sailed to the last port and not much more time remains for the rest of the journey, when you find yourself stuck in the middle of events all around you, perilous times. The word perilous, interestingly, is the Greek word kalopos. And this word, kalapas, in English, it's spelled like this, describes something that is risky, something that is dangerous, it is treacherous. It was the very word which was used to describe dangerous dogs, which were a menace, wild animals that could savagely tear you to pieces. This word was also used to describe emotions that were destructive and harmful. Everything about this word, kalapos, is negative and terrible. And in fact, the whole idea of the word perilous, the Greek word kalapos, is this is so filled with treachery and risk that if you get near this, there's a possibility that you could be hurt by it. So now the Holy Spirit says, you'll know when you've sailed to the end of the age and you've come to the last port and not much more time remains for the rest of the journey because you will feel that you're standing in the midst of nonsense. Everywhere you look, here, there, behind you, to your side, everywhere you look, you will wonder how did we get in this place? We're surrounded, encumbered on every side by such craziness, by such hurt, by such damage. And in fact, the Holy Spirit says times, the plural form of the word kairos, which means the word opportunity, there's going to be so much opportunity for us to feel that we're surrounded on every side by danger when we've come to the very end of the age. And what is really important is that this word kalopos 
is only used one other time in the entire New Testament. So to know how it's used here, you have to go to the other place where it's used. And the other place that it is used is Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. So everybody turn there in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. And when you come to Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, the Bible tells us about when Jesus and his disciples sailed to the other side of the sea. And in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, the Bible says, And when Jesus was come to the other side of the country of the Gergesenes, to the other side of the sea, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs. And notice this phrase, exceeding fierce. Everybody say exceeding fierce. That's the same word. That's the word kalopos. They were exceeding fierce. So that no man might pass by that way. Well, what does that mean? Well, let me show you what that means. The Sea of Galilee was surrounded by a road that went all the way around it. So I'm not an artist, but let's pretend that I am. So here we have the Sea of Galilee. If you were in the north and you wanted to go to Jerusalem, you had to take the road which went along the side. It was called the Via Maris. It was a highway. Or you could travel on the east side, the same road which could go from the north to the south, and you could go to Jerusalem. Or if you're in Jerusalem, you wanted to go to the north, you would take the Via Maris this way or you would take it this way. But if you're in the north and you want to go to the south or you're in the south and you want to go to the north, you have to take this road. But these two demonized men lived right here. I have been there. It's the country of the Gadarenes. And their tombs where they lived were right near the road. And as people would take this road from the north to the south or the south to the north, when they would come to this area where these demon-possessed men were, who were kalopos, exceedingly fierce, they would come charging out of the tombs. And these men posed such a threat that the people who were traveling on this road felt like they hit an impasse and people didn't know how to get beyond this thing that they were confronting as they were just trying to move on in life. They were hitting an impasse that terrified them as they were taking the road. So now understanding that when you go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, the Holy Spirit says, this know also. The Greek says, Tauto de gnoske. You emphatically must know this. You must grip it. You must understand it. That, specifically that. When time has sailed to the end of days, when not much more time remains for the journey, society as a whole will feel like it is standing in the midst of an impasse. An impasse. People will say, How do we get beyond this? How did we get into this place? How do we get through what is taking place in the world around us? And that is what the Holy Spirit prophesied would occur in the very end of the age. And according to the writers and the prophetic voices that spoke in the intertestamental periods between the Old and the New Testament, the primary indication that we have sailed to the end of the age will be delusional spirits that have been released into society at the end of the age. But then there's more. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul again describes the end of the age. 
It's very important for us to understand what the Bible says about the end of the age. If you're not established in what the Bible says, then people can upset you with crazy ideas. So you need to know what the Bible says, because there's a lot of voices on the internet today, particularly on YouTube, that will give you all kinds of things that are not Bible-based. But when you come to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want you to see what Paul says in verse 3. He says, let no man deceive you by any means. And guess what the word deceive is? Again, it is the word planeo. And now the Holy Spirit is speaking to us as an end-time generation and is saying, don't let the devil lead you morally off track just because everyone else has lost their moral bearings. And then he adds, for that day shall not come except there be a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. When he says, that day shall not come, it's talking about the coming of the Lord. And he says, before the coming of the Lord is here, a series of events are going to take place. And the first thing he says is there will be a falling away, which in Greek is the word apostasia. You hear the word apostasy. That's the word that is used here. And people tend to use the word apostasy to describe a departure from faith. But in fact, the word apostasia, the word that is used in this text, is used regularly in literature to describe a mutinous attitude toward authority. And here we find, at the end of the age, before the coming of Jesus, right before the coming of Jesus, there's going to be a mutinous attitude in the world toward the law of God, when the world will begin to throw off the law of God and begin to go its own way a mutinous worldwide attitude toward the authority of God. Who would have imagined the rebellion would run so deep in Western society until people would rebel against their gender? Rebel against their gender. Isaiah 5 verse 20 says, the end of the age will be a time when people will call darkness light. And light darkness, good, bad, and bad, good. It all agrees with what Jesus said about the end of the age. People always say, well, Jesus said there's going to be earthquakes and famines and pestilence. Yes, he said all of that. But when they asked for a sign, he began with the number one most glaring sign of all you'll know when you've come to the end. Beware lest any man, planel, morally, leads you off track, and he prophesied a world where delusionary spirits would be released in society at the end of the age. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. You've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You've got the blood of Jesus. You have a covenant. You've got the Word of God. And my friends, if we will embrace the Word of God, it will give us all the equipment we need to sail through these times. And we don't have to sail through these times with fear. We can shout hallelujah. Prophets prophesied about this time, and we get to live in it. We are able to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. We can throw a bowie to people that are sinking in the world that is around us. And that is our mission. That's our mission. You have never been more needed than you are needed right now. Hey, as you've been watching today, I'm so glad that you've joined us. And I want to ask a simple question. Do you know for sure that you're right with God, that you're on your way to heaven? 
The Bible says we've written these things that you may know that you have everlasting life. Often I ask, do you know? And they say, well, I hope so. I'm trying. But Jesus said this. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying he is the only way anyone gets right with God. He's saying all of the good things I could do could never make me right with God. All the good things you could do could never make you right with God. But he is the way. So the Bible says, whosoever, that's you, that's me, will call on the name of the Lord. Now, I'm going to pray with you. We're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And this is the promise, will be saved. When we pray this prayer, when we call on his name, the way the Bible shows us, the Bible says we're going to be saved. Now, that means we're going to be forgiven. That means we're going to be a part of God's kingdom forever and ever. So I'm going to ask you, pray this prayer with me out loud. Make these words your own. Just pray and say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive him as my savior and as my king. And I'm going to live for him. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven. My past is gone. I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you're right with God. And we have a book that we've written to help you keep on growing spiritually. We want to give it to you free of charge. All the information is right there on your screen. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, congratulations. You've made one of the best decisions of your life. If you're still working on that decision, we have people standing by at walkingbyfaith.tv who want to answer the questions you might have. Just like Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv where you can have a copy mailed to you, download it there instantly, or check out our audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This free book is a great resource as it's full of practical advice and encouragement to help you live a life full of faith. Claim your free copy today. Walking by Faith is changing lives, and we want you to be a part of it. Your gift will help us continue to produce inspiring content that encourages people to change the way that they think and empower them to use their voice. When you sow into God's kingdom, He'll pour out a blessing upon you, just like it says in Malachi 3.10. These are the ways that you can give. Text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE, visit walkingbyfaith.tv give, or click on the giving icon in our app. Thank you for your support. If you're in need of prayer for any reason, we'd love to connect with you. By scanning this QR code, you can send us a prayer request, download our app, read our weekly devotional, and so much more. To rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble as well. May we hold fast to this truth, for in it, we find the assurance that regardless of the challenges that lie ahead, we have a faithful guide and an unshakable foundation in the Word of God. Have a blessed week.